This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Amen. And what a beautiful uh, start to service of just worshiping and praising God. Man, God is speaking to me during that time and giving me a whole bunch of different thoughts. So I don't know how this thing's going to go. I do know that God's going to move in here where two or three are gathered. The Spirit of God is here. So um, amen to that. My name is Jermaine. I'm the student minister uh, for 121 Community Church. I've been here, what's this is third year now to, to, to preach? They still let me preach. That's awesome. Um, and so I am one of the student ministers, Courtney Chandler in the middle there. She doesn't like recognition, but uh, y'all say hi to Courtney. Just c- quickly embarrass her. Yeah, yeah. She's our other student minister. She's awesome. Uh, and then we have a bunch of youth leaders here um, that have been instrumental in helping putting uh, this, this time where we can, hopefully it's been a blessing to Austin Life Church to, uh, to minister uh, to the staff as well as the community. I know my favorite time is, was uh, from this trip that we've been on was just yesterday, serving all day yesterday in the homes, uh, getting to uh, destroy a deck. That was awesome. Uh, and that was helpful, by the way. Uh, so uh, enjoyed that, and I know a lot of the students enjoyed that. It was, it was a long Saturday, uh, but that was my favorite part. It was just being able to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And uh, I just, I pray that we are able to continue to do things like this uh, as a church, as one, right? Uh, to where people can see, hey, it's, it's more than just coming into a building and sitting down and listening to a talking head, you know, fill our heads up with information and knowledge from the Bible. It's, it's going out and living out our faith. And uh, that's my prayer. We get, get to continue to do that and serve Austin and wherever God has us. Um, you know what, though? I'm going to say selfishly that my favorite time personally was being at the movies uh, super late. I did fall asleep. I always fall asleep in movies. We went to see The Batman at uh, 10 o'clock at night, and uh, I will say a couple of things about that. One, I didn't sign up for, for the ride that I went on. Uh, being in a movie theater for three hours, it's a three-hour movie, and I have, uh, I usually wake up at like five o'clock in the morning and go to bed at like seven, you know, so like going to a movie at 10 for three hours, uh, you know, was I fell asleep. I did. Um, But you know what my favorite part about the movie and and really going to the movies is uh, I have four kids, eight, seven, five, and three, and I had no kids with me. Uh, And I was in my own recliner. I didn't have to have anybody climbing over me. I didn't have to take anybody to the bathroom. I got to sleep and watch the movie in peace. And I felt so free. I'm not not gonna lie. I felt so free. You know, I don't know if you're like me. I like to get popcorn and like my shirt is like my bib. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I just like put the popcorn down and it just rolls down and I leave it there for a little bit. Y'all are like, this is probably TMI, too much information. I don't really care. And I just, I'm like so free in the movie theater, you know? Like there's, I have no constraints, you know? Uh, and I just, you know, yes, I do let the popcorn fall on the ground. I know somebody's gonna probably pick it up. That's a, probably a sinful thing of me. But yes, I, I just feel really free and I felt that uh, on Friday night, and it was, it was awesome. Afterwards, I was a little grumpy, I think. I went, like, straight to bed because I was like, this, it is too late for me. Uh, and we got to get up early and go serve and all that stuff. But uh, I mentioned that because uh, we're going to be in a passage today, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, 
Uh, and essentially what the, the Apostle Paul, the author of this, is, is, is basically going to be explaining uh, in, in a very deep theological way. I'm going to put it, I'm going to simplify it, okay? I'm a simple man. Uh, now, you could probably spend a lot of time in just these four verses huddled up in a Bible study just breaking down all these words and then the Greek and all that stuff, and you could fill your head up, right? And that's good. You should do that. It's good to know uh, the Bible, but I'm going to break it down in a way that we can all understand and, you know, come out of here going, okay, I got it. I got a little bit of Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Uh, but the reason why I brought up being free is because um, Paul is, is really telling us that you can be free, right? You can be free. That word freedom, that word free means uh, free from constraint or restraint. And we all want that selfishly. We all want to be free. We all want to be free to be able to do whatever it is that we want to do. The reality is, is we can't do that because there's consequences with some of our desires. There's some negative consequences with that. The reality is we live in a social, you know, we live in a world where there's social constructs and so we can't really be free. But what Paul is talking about here is there is spiritual freedom and that spiritual freedom is found in Jesus Christ. Spiritual freedom is found in Jesus Christ. You can be free even within some of the, the, the boundaries that God puts on our lives. It is so that we can be free. When you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are spiritually free. He's giving as much as, and we're giving back. You are free in that relationship. Spiritual freedom is found in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to see here, we're going to have a question answered. What does it mean to be a Christian or what does it mean to be saved? Paul is going to answer that question and hopefully he's going to encourage you to know that God has the power to change you. God has the power to change you, to set you free. Whatever it is that's holding you back, God has the power to change you and set you you free. You in Christ are free from the penalty of sin. You are free. You're being freed from the power of sin. And one day we will all be freed in Christ Jesus from the presence of sin. That's where Paul is going with this. This is hopefully what we can realize. This is the heart of the gospel. It's a belief that God can change anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you've done what you've done. It doesn't matter when you are in Christ Jesus. He can change you. The scripture, the truth of the scripture says that wherever the Holy Spirit is, wherever the convicting and converting power of the Holy Spirit will rest upon your life, there is change that can happen. There is power. In God. God can change anyone. Just read your Bible. Read your Bible. You'll see, you look at the story uh, of, of David. Uh, you look at Jacob. You can look at Peter. You can look, in my opinion, the most powerful transformation in all of Scripture was with Paul. When Saul became Paul. Saul was a dude that was ravaging uh, uh, people who were following, trying to follow Jesus. He was just, you know, brutally like just, just beating them up and things like that. Like just he, he was not a good person until he got, I call shook. He literally got shook. He got knocked off his feet on the road to Damascus by Jesus. And he changed his life forever. You can be changed. In fact, 
You don't even have to look at the Bible. I bet if, if you look at somebody on your row, I bet if I asked him, have you witnessed and been a part of the transforming power of Jesus Christ in your life? I bet on your row, someone would, be, would raise their hand and say, yes, I can testify to that. I, I think that we have lots of witnesses here to a changed life in Jesus Christ. I bet there is someone in here that can say, like, look, I haven't totally given up everything. I'm still working on that. I'm a work in progress. But I can tell you that I've been changed by Jesus Christ. I may not walk in righteousness all the time, right? I may not be perfect. I, I may not be everything that I ought to be as a, as a believer, but I can tell you that I have been changed by Jesus Christ. There is someone on your row that could say that. They could testify to that. They can say, like me, I don't hang where I used to hang before because of what Jesus did inside of me. They can say things like, I don't run where I used to run because of what Jesus did for me in my life. I can, I can do things in my life that I wasn't able to do before I met Jesus because Jesus has changed my life. By God's power, you can change. By God's power, you can change. God has the power to set you free. You don't have to be what you've been in the past. You don't have to do what you've done. You don't have to rehearse and repeat mistakes in your life. Jesus has the power to change anything in anyone. He has the power to set you free. There is nothing that you are so stuck to that Jesus can't free you from. There is power in Jesus. There is power to set you free. And I just wonder, I wonder if there's somebody in this room today that maybe you've had a hard time believing that. You know, sometimes the enemy, he likes to whisper in your ear and he likes to say, you can't change. You know, what, what Jermaine is standing up here saying that God can change you, has the power to change you, that's, that's a lie. He's saying you'll never be able to break loose of whatever it is that you are bound to. He's saying you'll never be able to stop doing whatever it is that you know is wrong that you keep doing. He's saying you'll never be able to give up whatever it is that you are trying to give up and be free from. And you might actually believe that. You might actually believe that lie that you were a slave to sin and that you're connected and committed to that sin for the rest of your life You've believed the lie that, you know what, I can't change. I don't even, I, I, this is just the way that I am, and I'm going to be this way until the day that I die. As much as I'm wondering that, I'm also wondering maybe today is the day that God has put you on a Damascus road like Paul. And wants to speak to you today and knock you off of your feet and set you free. So that you can now be a witness going forward after today about how Jesus sets you free. In fact, after Paul gets shook, Paul puts ink to paper here in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And, he, and, and really, Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, he talks about some things that every believer ought to know. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 talks about how while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 20, the law was brought in so that trespass might increase, but sin, where sin increased, grace increased more. So what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning 
so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Romans 6, verses 1 through 2. In Romans 6, uh, 13 and 14, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as instruments of weakness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are under the law. You're not under law, but you're under grace. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And even though we struggle and we, do, we don't do the good things that we want to do, we actually do the evil things that we don't want to do, thanks be to God who delivers us, me and you, through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.1, There is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And so I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And we know that all things, not some things, all things, work for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. And so what shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? What will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution? No. But in all things, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who loved us. I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor demons nor principalities shall ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. All of that is found in Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Paul is trying to give testimony to the reality that your life can be changed. You can be changed because Christ has set you free. When you put your trust in Jesus, Christ sets you free from three things that hinder our ability to change. Number one, you are free from Christ because you are free because Christ has freed you from the penalty of sin. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that you, when you put your trust in him, you are justified by faith. You are free from the penalty of sin. You're free. You are free from the penalty of sin. Right now, he says. Look at that word now. It literally means at the present moment. Right now. So as soon as you put your trust in Jesus, you are free from the penalty of sin. Right now. It's speaking in real time. The past verdict stands today. Heaven, yes, it is our hope. But you don't have to wait until then to have this true assurance of salvation. No, it's right now. And then he says no, meaning speaking for all time. It's like a judge, said, judge throws down his gavel and says, this is not, this is a mistrial, or this is not a mistrial. You are free. You are free from the condemnation of sin and death. You are free. You are not guilty. This is an absolute dismissal of all charges. You are free. You are declared not guilty guilty. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, and we have that as a blessed and true assurance. 
This reminds me of a time before Christ. I just want to tell you this. This is when I was in college, before I was a believer, before I put my faith in Jesus. Uh, I had a string of, let's say, unfortunate decisions, bad decisions. Uh, and um, my parents lived in Texas. I went to the University of Arizona, Bear Down. They play tonight. They're going to beat the Horn Frogs. We'll talk about that later. Um, but <laughs> this string of bad decisions landed me with a couple of court dates. Um, and I did not have the funds to pay for a lawyer, and I certainly didn't want my parents to know at the time, you know, um, and so I decided to represent myself in one of the court cases, and I called witnesses to the stand. I, you know, I was all dressed up like I knew what I was doing. I sought free legal counsel and all this stuff, and um, I will never forget it. The, the judge, uh, found me not guilty. It was amazing. It was amazing. So amazing that after I walked out of that courtroom, I, I took my jacket off. I was waving it around. I was like, we are going to party tonight. I am free. I am not guilty. When you put your trust in Jesus, you are free. You are not guilty. You should... You should be jumping out of your shoes knowing that you have this blessed and true assurance that you are forgiven and free. You are no longer under this law of condemnation. You, you are no longer guilty because Christ has set you free. And so the application here is that you can live justified. You can live justified. You can worship God freely. You can be free. You can live free because you are brand new in Jesus Christ. Because you're not who you were when you put your trust in him. You can change because you are free from the penalty of sin. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then Paul uses verse 3 and 4 to kind of justify or really like explain this process, right, for being set free. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does all of that mean? Let me try to unpack it principally for you, and then I'll end by giving you a wonderful illustration that is actually found in the Bible. Verse 2, this, this law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus is what sets you free. He's drawing a contrast. There's a law of the spirit of life that is life-giving, that is life-filling, that you get when you put your trust in Jesus. And then there's this law of sin and death that is condemning, that corrupts, that really we can't overcome on our own, that, is un that controls us. And Paul says that when you put your trust in him, God sends his Holy Spirit that fills you up immediately, takes residence in you immediately, completely, and permanently. And it gives you life. So much life that it changes you. 
And so in verse 1, Paul is teaching that Christ sets you free from the penalty of sin. But in verse 2 and going forward, there is spiritual freedom in Christ. You are liberated in Christ. And in verse 3, and just summarizing it, like I said, I'm not going into this deep theological thing where we sit and break down. I'm just, I'm trying to summarize this for you real fast so you can get an understanding of how, how much freedom there is when you're in a relationship with Jesus. And so in verse 3, he basically says that there is a law, a mosaic law that God gave us to show us, oh man, like we are, we are sinful by nature. And it exposes that, but we can't do anything about it. So Paul is saying that God has weakened the flesh. He, he is, I'm sorry, God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Basically what he's saying is God did that. Did what needed to be done for us to be free. That's grace. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. God just did that. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And what he did is he liberated us from being dead in sin. He liberated us from being condemned in sin. Ephesians 2 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of what? His great what? Love. Because of his great love, even when we were dead, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. And in uh, verse 4, just summarizing it, he gives us new life. We get new life because he justified us in order that we would meet God's holy standards one day. That we, amen. I, the more that I preach, the more I like interaction. So thank you. It makes me know that y'all are alive and listening. Thank you. He justified us in order that we would meet God's standards. God the goal of our salvation is that we would be holy. And so Paul says this. He, uh, Paul understands that when you are justified, God puts the Holy Spirit that I mentioned into your life to help you counter and balance and fight the sinful nature that's inside of us, that sinful tendencies that are inside of us so that we don't have to feel as though we have to do it all by ourselves knowing that we can't. We have a greater power in us than the Holy Spirit. So why do I struggle if I still have the Spirit? Why do I struggle if I've been saved? And why do I still stumble if I've been saved? Why, how can I be born again and still sin? Well, because there's layers to our bondage that we have to sin. God's got to work all of that out to us. We are so tethered to being prideful, to being selfish, to having idols that need to be ripped apart from us. There are so many strongholds deep layers of bondage that we need to be broken free from. And so there's this struggle between flesh and spirit. That one of the ways that I can describe that or illustrate that to you is imagine if um, imagine, if, imagine if me and Corey were going to fight each other in a couple of weeks. Box, boxing match. Let's say boxing match, okay? Imagine. Now, let's just say that for two weeks, I ate right, I trained right, I exercised right, I was putting in the work to get ready for this fight. And we said, Corey, you got to starve. 
you actually can't do anything. You can't eat. You can't exercise. We just basically lock him in a closet and make him starve for two weeks. Pretty simple to know who's going to win that battle, right? The guy who's been exercising, who's been training, who's been eating right, who's getting big and strong versus the guy that's not doing a whole lot, right? The one that's been fed and has been putting in the work and the time will always outpower the one that's not doing anything and starving and getting weak. God says that's why we struggle. God says we have a tendency to feed our flesh and starve our spirit. The spirit that's inside of us. So at the moment of temptation, our spirit doesn't have a fighting chance because our flesh is too strong. So in order to turn, a, turn it around practically, we have to strengthen our spirit and weaken our flesh. Amen? You have to strengthen your spirit with time on your knees in prayer, connecting with the one true God. You have to strengthen your spirit through daily ingestion of the word of God. You have to strengthen your spirit by working out the gifts that God has given you by being coming here and working that out into the world as the body of Christ. You have to starve your flesh. That's the application for us. And Paul goes on to say that we walk according to the spirit. The believer walks according to the Spirit. Walk means I'm on a path. It means I'm going somewhere. I'm making progress as a believer. I don't have it all together. I'm not fully righteous. I haven't arrived yet. But I'm walking on this path by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm making progress. I'm headed towards a destination. Oh, not just any destination. I'm headed to a glorious destination. A destination that hasn't been prepared by the hands, by human hands. A destination that's been prepared by the hands of God. Paul is saying you are free because Christ will free you from the presence of sin. I don't have these verse, this verse on the screen, but I'll read it to you. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You know what Paul is saying is, is God has a power to set you free from the penalty of sin. He is, God is freeing us from the power of sin. And one day we will be completely freed in glory from the presence of sin sin which means wherever there is suffering in your life there is glory on the other side amen wherever there is struggle there must be glory wherever there are enemies in your life guess what there must be glory on the other side wherever there is sickness in your life there must be glory on the other side in Christ Jesus God is always preparing for you and me, those who are in Christ Jesus. He is preparing a glory on the other side of whatever it is that you are going through. 
Everything that you are going through, God is preparing for you a glory greater than what you have right now. There's a glory that's coming. And the glory is not just in the here and now. The glory isn't where you're going to live five years from now. The glory has nothing to do with what you have done. It has nothing to do with what you drive. The glory has nothing, it's not associated with how much money you make. Paul says, no, take your eyes off of all that. Fix your eyes on a greater glory. Fix your eyes on a glory that comes when this life here on earth comes to an end. When we breathe our last breath here on earth and we cross death's door, fix your eyes on the glory that God has prepared, an eternal glory in the heavens where, our, where we can rest our weary heads and all of us, God's children, will all be gathered together. That's the glory we look forward to. Revelation 21, 21 talks about us walking on streets of gold. I don't know about you, but for me, that is, that is so exciting. I, lo- I love the fact that we're going to be singing and praising him. I love that. I love to sing. I love to dance and all that. But for, I just imagine myself just like seeing all of y'all that are in Christ just high-fiving, like dancing, walking on streets of gold, right? Pure gold. Like it's not impure. It's so pure because God, the Holy One, is going to be there reflecting that. That should get you so excited. God has the power to set you free from the presence of sin. I'm going to close by using uh, a piece in the Bible in Exodus. I've, uh, Exodus is one of my favorite books of the Bible. We just talked principally what, what God can do, what God can set us free from. The illustration that we can all hang on to, the image that we can all hang on to, We are the Israelites in Exodus. We are the Israelites specifically in Exodus chapter 14. Where God sets them free from from slavery to the Egyptians. And they're going. Lots of people getting out of slavery from the Egyptians. And they're going and they hit the what? The Red Sea. And they freak out. Because they're going, I can't do this. This looks like too much for me. And they turn to their mediator, Moses, their leader, Moses, and they say, Moses, what's up, man? You got to do something, bro. And Moses is like, everybody chill, everybody chill. God's got this. He literally says, stand still and let God do his thing. There is nothing that me or you can do to set us free from the slavery of sin. It is only the power of God that can raise the waters over our heads and allow us to cross over from death to life. It's only when you fix your eyes on him to where you can actually be free. The Israelites had a mediator in Moses. He was fully man and he was close to God. But guess what? 
we have a greater mediator. He is fully man and he's fully God. And he's the one who when you put your trust and faith in him will set you free. You can change. You can be free. Let's spend a second to just think about that. And I pray that as we do, that our hearts would be so filled with gratitude that, man, chains start to break. We start to walk in freedom that we all deserve or that we all desire. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for blessing us. We're grateful for who you are and what you've done. Thankful that I am free. I am free in you. And it's only because of you that I am free. And so I can walk in freedom, not in shame or guilt, because you have declared me free from that. And now I have the spirit of life in me. And so, yes, Lord, I make mistakes. I'm not all the way there, but because of Jesus, because you sent him who knew no sin to be sin, because there's divine intervention, I'm spiritually free, and where there's spiritual freedom, there's life. So, God, I pray for the person who hasn't put their full trust in you yet, I pray earnestly that you would draw them in through the words that are in your word. I pray for them to find the freedom that is only found in you. And for the rest of us, I pray that we would understand what it truly means to be a Christian. It's not the quality of our faith. It's the object of the one who set us free. Jesus Christ, our salvation. And so wherever we are at, I pray that we would continue to walk with that blessed assurance of knowing where we're going, knowing that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, that you are freeing us from the power of sin and that all the stuff that we're going through stomach bugs and all the, these little things that keep just nagging us we realize that those are actually fleas compared to what we have to look forward to Lord Jesus break us free from the bondage of sin Lord Jesus let us worship you freely Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be free in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.